especially as men, I think that there, there's it's easy to focus on what we can do. And I think it's easy for other people to focus on what we can do or provide. And, but people, you know, people don't realize that, that that's a lot of pressure too. And so one thing I, I wanted to communicate in, in those reminders is just that, like you, just by nature of being who you are, existing who you are, how you are, you're worthy of everything that everyone else is worthy of. Hey, this is Junius and welcome to Mind Bodega, a place to feed your mind. On this podcast, I'll be bringing you stories from people on the other side of their personal journey within who came out healed, happy, and whole. We have everything you need, and I hope you find what you're looking for. Relax and enjoy. What is the heart of a great bodega? El que está detrás del counter. The person behind the counter. Definitivamente, sí. This podcast is brought to you by NSTARS. For the latest news in Hollywood, follow NSTARS.com. E-N-S-T-A-R-Z.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode. And today I have a great guest for you, Jarrell Caraballo. He is a licensed therapist. He runs Viva Mental Health out of Brooklyn. Uh, we have a great conversation that gives you some reminders for Black men. But first, I want to tell you about the emotional bank account. When I was a kid, we used to say, word is bond. That was one of my favorite slang words. Word is bond, word is bond. I would use it basically to tell people how cool I was, not truly understanding the gravity and the weight of those words. My word is my bond. And I say that to say that I think more people need to be aware of the emotional bank. It's an emotional bank account that you open with each and every person you meet and interact with in life. If you're unfamiliar with the emotional bank, Stephen Covey explains it as the amount of trust that has been built up in a relationship. It's the feeling of safeness you have when interacting with another human being. Deposits into this bank account of emotions are made through courtesy, kindness, honesty, keeping your commitments to people, and basically being that your word is your bond, literally. The more you do those things, the more trust grows with the person. The more you can call upon them and call upon your trust when and if you make a mistake. If you make a mistake, the value you accumulate, it then affords you trust with the person you interact with. Oh, he isn't like that. That's not how, I don't know. He wouldn't do that. When you build up enough trust in the emotional bank, you can be forgiven and afforded grace. But on the flip side, if you're discourteous, if you're disrespectful, if you cut people off too many times, you overreact, you start ignoring people, you betray their trust, you threaten them, or you play like a little tin god in life. Eventually, the emotional bank account will be overdrawn. It's like, have you ever realized that your best friends, the friends you made from high school, you can go years without talking to them, months without talking to them. And then when you start talking to them again, it's like you never lost touch with them. That's because I think I think of it like a 401k. You, you've accumulated so much value and so much trust with them that you don't need to interact with them every day. On the flip side, you find out it's so difficult to talk to the people you are around 
each and every day of your life. Because you're constantly making withdrawals, invisible withdrawals that you don't even know you're making. Stephen Covey says, the accounts with the people you interact with on a regular basis require more constant investment. There are sometimes automatic withdrawals in your daily interactions or in their perceptions of you that you don't even know about. Those are invisible transactions, automated transactions that are coming out of the bank of emotions. That's why it's so difficult to keep your wife happy. Sometimes. <laughs> Man, it's amazing, right? And I think this is why we find ourselves in these senseless arguments. Because the bank account of emotions is depleted. So what do you do to, to deposit into the bank account of emotions? You do some of these three things. One, you can offer to do a chore. Offering to do chores is very helpful. Matter of fact, don't even offer. Just do it without being asked. That is one way you can build some trust in the bank of emotions. Number two, you can take them out to do something that they enjoy. If the relationship between you and your child is a bit shaky, do something nice for them. Celebrate them. Take them out. Send them somewhere by themselves. Something you can do to build some trust. But the most important thing you can do to build trust with someone you interact with every day, or with anyone, actually, is to just listen. This is the most valuable thing you can do, is listen. Listen without judgment, listen without preaching, and listen, listen without telling them your autobiography of your life. Just listen and seek to understand. That is the most valuable thing you can do in the bank account of emotions, is just listen. Every single day, we have deposits and withdrawals, and we don't even recognize that this has actually happened. It isn't a, an official bank account with a teller, no, but it's mental. It's, it's, it's subliminal. You're constantly giving and taking, giving and taking, giving and taking. And before you know it, you're afforded no more trust. You're afforded no more time and energy. You're afforded, you're cut off. You cut off. You don't interact with this person anymore because they don't want to deal with you because you are overdrawn. You have to deposit into their bank account of emotions. That's what you need to do. Hope that message hit someone. I don't want to be too long today, but yeah. And now for my interview with Jarrell Caraballo. Jarrell is a licensed therapist. He's the co-founder of Viva Mental Health. He's an amazing character. He focuses and specializes on doing therapy for black men. He has a book coming out called The Shadow Work Workbook, coming out this fall. And now for our amazing conversation, we give you some things that all black men should be reminded of. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll be back on the end of the podcast to just wrap up things. Bro, I really like, um, so again, thank you very much for doing this. I really like the content that you do. And one of the ones that really, really st stuck out to me was your reminders for black men. Yeah. I thought it was very, very profound. I thought it was very, very um, prolific. Um, and the first one you said, you are worthy of dignity, love, and respect just as you are. Man, how come... So many black men, in your opinion, don't understand that we are worthy of love and respect just as we are. 
I mean, I think simply put, no one ever really tells us that. Uh, some of us get that message, uh, but I, I think that, especially in the past, you know, few decades, um, I, I don't think that we've really been conscious of, like, collective we, um, been conscious of communicating emotional content to black men. Yeah. You know, and and part of that is, like, just affirming, like, who we are um, and knowing that that who we are is good enough just as we are. Um, and I think that's something that often gets lost um, because, especially as men, I think that there, there's it's easy to focus on what we can do. And I think it's easy for other people to focus on what we can do or provide. And yeah. but people, you know, people don't realize that, that that's a lot of pressure, too. And so one thing I, I wanted to communicate in, in those reminders is just that, like, you just by nature of being who you are, existing who you are, how you are, you're worthy of everything that everyone else is worthy of. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's great. And, and I, man, that's that's I love that. How do we keep that conscious? How do we keep that in the how do we be mindful of that message that we are good enough, we are worthy just as we are? Do you have ways or tips that we can keep that mindful in our minds? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think about those videos that, I mean, they're always kind of new ones circulating every so often about how, you know, you might see a dad or a mother with their little black girl, right, standing in front of a mirror mm-hmm. and saying, like, you are, you're smart, you are kind, you are thoughtful, you are loved. And, like, how great would it be for us to offer that to little black boys? Yeah. And also to you know as adults for ourselves and for the people around us to as black men to respond and engage with that inner child and say those same things to ourselves you know like you are loved you are worthy you are kind you are thoughtful um, you are considerate you are strong um all those things i think those kinds of regular that regular validation and affirmation of those parts of us that we don't shine a light on enough, I think is one of those ways that we can continue to build ourselves and and break that intergenerational kind of baggage of you're only worthy or good if you one certain way or if you achieve certain things, all that sort of stuff. Amazing. As you say that, I'm thinking about being a kid. And I remember being, I remember people saying, be nice, be nice. Mm. And I would then try to be nice, but I don't know if that, no one ever taught me how to be nice. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if that was ever a thing. I don't remember being taught how to be nice. Right. Yeah. That and that's kind of I don't know. I often talk about with clients just this idea of we as men and you know boys who grew up into men as black boys, we often don't have the conversations about. We don't get the language to talk about emotions and feelings and unpacking what that means, right? And it's like, and the thing is, is that people who grow up gendered as girls, they have so many more conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. And even on a basic level, language skills among girls are far advanced than boys. Uh, 
is just because they have more conversations. <laughs> People yeah, talk to yeah. little girls, right? They yeah, have they conversations do. and like we we don't do that as much for little boys because we expect little boys just to be doing things. And yeah. so like that idea of like, okay, what does nice really mean though? Right? What does it mean to be kind? How do you show kindness? How do you show compassion? And like breaking that down and having conversations about that, I think really goes a long way. I have, I'm a father of three kids. I have two daughters. They're, they're 19 and 20. They're 20. Mm. And uh, I just had a one-year-old son. Mm. I just, I did, my son didn't come out one. I just, my son's <laughs> one now. Right, got it. <laughs> but um, I just had a son, and, and, and I was so scared because I was like, I don't know how to raise a man. I don't yeah. know how to be a father. I did not have a dad in my house. Mm. And I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, and I just want I want to... I didn't have a dad, so Snoop Dogg raised me. I talked about that mm. on this podcast. I was I wanted to be a player. I was 13. I got my hands on Goldie the Mac. And I just wanted to get as many girls as possible because mm. that's what masculinity was. Right. And it ruined me, Jarrell. Mm. It ruined me. And now th- I have my son, and I'm like, I don't want my son. And this is selfish of me, and I, I, under, I don't want my son to sleep with anyone he doesn't love. You know what I mean? I don't want him to to have multiple women. I want him to understand that one woman and getting the woman that you love and being engaged with that one is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, how do I do that? How do I teach him to be kind? I I, I I'm scared to raise my son. And and in the second slide or the third slide in, in your post says you don't have to perform masculinity to be of value, and it's all it's all that conscious, constant noise that what do you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. What do you bring to the table? What can you do? What can you provide? Are you a provider? How do you juggle that, man? Yeah. Well. I don't know. I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying here, Thanks. <laughs> especially these Thanks. days, right? Like the, our ideas about manhood and masculinity have changed. And, um, you know, I, I think that I would generally say for the better, um, yeah. because I think as we, as time goes on, we kind of expand a lot more about how we think about gender, how we think about masculinity and these sorts of things. And I, I think that's good. Like expansiveness is always better at least in my eyes. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one, I think it's beautiful that you already have this intention, right? Of like, I want to show up in a way that gives my son the opportunity to not follow my same path. And I think that's really powerful in and of itself, just as like a guiding force, right? Because every, that's gonna be in every little action, every little choice, everything you say, you're conscious of that, right? Um, so I think that that's, that intention is there and I I think it's about really creating, having those moments and creating those conversations that are probably going to be uncomfortable, um, (laughs) but like giving yourself permission to have them and being uncomfortable alongside with him as he grows up, um, and say like, Oh, like I, 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 I don't know. I don't know the right way to talk about this, but I want you to know that we can talk about this, and I want you to understand like this is my this is part of my story. This is what I think is important. This is what I've learned. This is what I these are the gaps that were in my experience. Um, 
And just being able to have those meaningful conversations about um, how you came into manhood or, or how pe people around you also came into manhood can be so um, grounding, Yeah. right? Like that's more data for him as he grows up to be like, okay, so this was, I, I have this sort of vicarious experience that you can share with him that he can pull from as he grows up. And of course, he'll have you along the way, too, as he encounters new situations, as he first starts, he gets his first crush, as he starts dating, as like all these things yeah. happen. If you're there emotionally and having those conversations, he's going to be prepared to be that, you know, closer to that vision of what you have for his life. Um, and then he'll mm -hmm. also cultivate his own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that's the thing that I juggle is like, how do I juggle my expectations for his life with his expectations for his life? And although there are things that I want for him, I just need to provide an environment for him to learn what he wants to learn. Those are the things that I, that I juggle with in my mind. But also, as you were just talking, I was just thinking about showing up for him and with my flawed, broken, unperfect mm -hmm. self to be his perfect father. Yeah. It's like, those are the things that are so complex that you're yep. just like, man, how do you do that? <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's yeah. crazy. And, and I think that's why, you know, um, I think that's why parenthood is so complicated because it's like you, you are, you are provided with this, like almost like a visible inner child existing outside of you. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that mirror is right there and you can see it in their face. You can see it in their behaviors. You can see it in all these different ways, especially as they age. And it makes you look at yourself and mm -hmm. see yourself in ways that maybe you haven't had to before. Maybe you chose to sometimes, but haven't had to. And it's inescapable, I think, for parents. And it can be really challenging because I think it brings up for a lot of people all of that baggage, all of that pain, all of that hurt, that then not only are you having to hold for yourself as someone who experienced yeah. it, but then you're trying to make sense of it for the sake of someone else. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a lot. It's a whole lot, man. Life is a lot, right? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. that's how you have to do it. Life is a lot. You just have, and you have to go through it in order to get through it. So those are mm -hmm. things that I sort of hold on to, to keep an understanding. And um, bro, yeah. this post, I'm just going to go off this post, this whole interview. So just know okay. I'm just going slide for slide <laughs> with what you're going through. Because that post, that was the first person I saw of you. And I was like, I'm following this guy. This guy's amazing. And I rock with Jarrell because he is the bomb. Uh, this, the next slide says, a penis or penis size is not the measure of your true worth. And when I read that, I was like, wow, this guy is spitting because <laughs> so many there. times as, <laughs> right, so many times as a man, we want to conquer. And my friend Michelle Hope said, stop trying to beat up the pussy. That's what we want to do. We want to conquer it. We want, I killed it. You know, I killed it. Oh, mm -hmm. I broke her back. Instead of just pleasing or, or just not even understanding that there's so much more to a relationship. My son's mother and I have been together for a very long time. And while we have a great sex life, it you know, our relationship is now so much more than that, mm -hmm. that we can exist. It's way more than sex. And I remember when I was younger, it would be like, 
oh yeah, the sex got to be bomb. But now I'm just like, and not just that my sex, the sex isn't bomb, but yeah. now I'm just like, it's so much more than sex. Sex is not the end all be all. She does not get on my nerves too much. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> she is, she, she listens to me. She challenges me. Uh, she allows me to lead, but yet she also steps up. She, you know, she provides, but sometimes I provide. She, I have an amazing woman at home yeah. and I'm just like, it's way and it's way more than just sex. And yeah. I don't, and I think more people need to understand that, that, one, I'm worth more than just sex. So it's just yeah. not more than I bring. I'm worth more than my wallet. You yeah. know what I mean? And and how do we, how, how would you say we promote that message? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it starts with just one, identifying the messages that we have and that we get mm -hmm. and then trying to challenge them. Right. <clears throat> and so even, so like, for instance, the reason I'm, included that is because there that particular comment on that slide about penis penis size etc is because it's one of the first things that people think about when they think about black men and wow. that is crazy to me it's insane it is right? i didn't it, even think about that that's the first thing it really really is it, it's it's about penis and or sex or size in some yeah. fashion right when we think that's of, our stereotype yeah black exactly men. yeah that's the stereotype, right? And so I, I think it's about understanding that that is the culture in which we live. And, you know, this dates back a long, long time. Um, largely, I think, is an intergenerational trauma that's related to slavery and the slave trade, our ancestors being enslaved and being valued by just their bodies, right? But what's, what is interesting about that is that so we have you know, this message that came from white folks uh, who enslaved people, those ancestors, etc. But we've also internalized that message as black people. Mm -hmm. We've internalized that our, our value, especially as black men, is tied to the penis, its size, its girth, and the prowess and the ability that we have related to that. And it's just, it's so performative because also, yeah. you know, um, uh, there's a, a colleague of mine who talks about, um, he, he doesn't call it erectile dysfunction. He calls it erectile disappointment mm. because it's not dysfunction. Um, so sometimes what happens when you can't get erect? doesn't mean that you're broken. It's also really yeah. common. However, Men feel a lot of shame if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, when it happens, you start to go through your mind. It starts your mind starts to freak out. And you right. definitely can't perform then. Right. Right. And it's like, and it just builds the shame builds on itself. You start to doubt your, you know, you start to doubt your manhood entirely. Right. And that's why I included it in there. I'm like, because your penis is no more important than an ear. Yeah. Right. It's a part of your body. It's a toe. Right. Yeah. But we've attached yeah. so much importance to this one part of our body. And we've we've grown to believe that that's the most important part of us. And so what that means is we don't work to cultivate the other parts of us. We don't work to cultivate the softer, tender parts of us. We don't cultivate warmth. We don't think about those relational aspects that you were just talking about that like are really rewarding if we so give ourselves rewarding. the chance. To go there, yeah. One of our fine, one of my fondest memories with my lady is 
we went to Portland, um, maybe, I don't know, probably like three or four years ago now. We went to Portland and we were hiking on the La Terrell Falls mm. and she tripped and she fell. Mm. Uh, not a nasty fall. It was icy. It was the dead of winter and she slipped and she fell. Mm. Uh, a very minor fall. And I laughed at her. We joked about it. The next day we went hiking. We went to a park. Uh, and Jarrell, I stumbled down a whole hill. I fell slid oh, no. down a whole hill. And it was the highlight of our time. We still joke about to this day, whenever one of us falls, we go, you fell down a hill. <laughs> it's one of our fondest memories, and it's of yeah. me being a klutz. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's so much more than yeah. just sex. I don't even think we we have any, you know, we probably we, there's no sex memories that we bring up. You know what I mean? Right, right. There's none. Yeah. It's crazy. Because life is bigger and broader than that, right? That can be yeah, important. especially when you're really in love. Yeah, it can be important, but it's it's just one part of this whole thing we call life. And it's just yeah. one part of our bodies. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to skip a slide and go to uh, entitled to honor and experience your deepest feelings. A reminder, you are entitled to honor and experience your deepest feelings. Mm. I love that, man. Because I am a very emotional person. I, I actively tried not to tear up when we were discussing parts of this conversation, especially talking about my son. Uh, but I am. it's okay to experience those feelings, especially with meditation now and trying to be mindful to understand that whatever you feel is okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel them for as long as you want to feel them and then let them go when you feel it's okay to feel that. Yeah. I have a friend who is dealing with a deaf in a family and she was upset because she didn't do more, could have, didn't do more. I'm like, you did more than enough. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just sort of understanding our feelings. And we also talked about uh, erectile disappointment those feelings, sometimes people, men get violent yep. during that point. Uh, but it's okay to experience those feelings. What? How'd you come up with that slide there? I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a, uh, I guess um, the personal part of that is a long story. Um, because I grew up as a sensitive boy. Mm. I, I've always, like, I had no choice but to feel things deeply. I think that's something we're just wired. Cry, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, some people are just wired in different, in certain ways. And that is part of my makeup. I've, I've come to terms with that. Like I'm a sensitive person in all kind of aspects, right? I feel things deeply. And part of my journey was coming to terms with that. And, and then as I started to do the work at being a therapist, being on the other side is seeing how often that we just don't, make space to acknowledge the depth of our emotions or even yeah. at all. Um, and, and so much of my work is just, it starts with giving people language to say, oh, what you're describing is sadness. <laughs> what you're mm. describing is disappointment. That sounds like heartbreak to me. And, you know, we really face, I think black men especially face this gap of like not being able to identify our emotions, and therefore we can't sit with them, right? You don't even know what it is. Everything feels bad or like, or I don't know, 
right? But then once you first, once you have the language, you can start to say, oh, this is what sadness is. What is that? What thoughts are coming with that sadness? What does it feel like in my body to feel sadness? So then you have this emotional memory. The next time you feel those similar things, oh, I'm sad. I am sad, right? And then you cultivate that ability to sit with it and say like, okay, this is what this is. Instead of, you know, feeling any twinge of any little thing and then distracting yourself or running and doing something else or, you know, um, just acting out of anger. Um, or burying it, burying it with alcohol and drugs, yes. that too. Yes. It's a, yeah. one of my, one of the funniest, I mean, it's kind of, it's funny and it's kind of not, but one of the things that I find so ironic and funny is that, you know, there'll be people, men on online, Twitter, whatever, they were like, people are so, like, women are so emotional. Meanwhile, they're typing in all caps. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so we're, no, we're not seeing this. And it's just Men that, are the most emotional The beings. most emotional. Everyone is emotional. It just manifests The manliest of men's are the most emotional. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. That that is funny. It is funny. Mm -hmm. I, it's okay to laugh at things. I think the mm -hmm. more messed up stuff is sometimes, the only thing you can do is laugh. Yeah. Uh, I, I was watching, and this is sidebar, I was watching mm -hmm. a, the 9-11 documentaries for the mm -hmm. anniversary, and this lady was covered in soot. She had just escaped the towers falling down, mm -hmm. and this reporter was like, what do you think happened? She was like, what happened? <laughs> What do you mean, what happened? Ridiculous question. I don't know. I was in the building and stayed playing it. What do you mean? Right. A terrorist? For real? Like, right. it's the funniest thing. And I'm like, 3,000 people just died and there's a right. moment of humor in there. But it's just like, I think that's just crazy things that she would think, why did this happen? Why did what happen? I don't know. I got right. this. I was in the building. I don't know. Right. Man, <laughs> this one right here, the next slide that I want to talk about, I would never guess someone would say this for a man. Uh -huh. Ever. And it is softness is your birthright. Yeah. That is that is sacrilege. That is not a thing right there. We can't be soft. That one right there is a bar. <laughs> softness is your birthright. Can you elaborate on that idea? Because that idea for a man is like those and when we think about when I think about the best men, yeah. Uh, and, and even, I'm going to say, one of the manliest of men mm. is James Evans mm. <laughs> from Good Times. Mm. Mm -hmm. He had so many moments of being soft. Yeah. I love that. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is me being like a, 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 a softness evangelical uh, <laughs> and like spreading the gospel that it's, it is a part like if you are going to be a full human, a full person, that means you ex allow yourself to experience the range of feelings and emotions that are available to you. And this is one of those that I'm always pushing for men because it is the Achilles heel for most of us is that we can't, like you said, it's sacrilege to think that, oh, I'm going to choose to be soft. What? <laughs> what? What? Like, for so many of us, it's like that was basically a slur, right? Growing up in the communities and neighborhoods we were in. It's like, you can, that's the worst thing that you could be. And, yeah. but it's like, 
but that is that is a part of us just as much as anything else is. And I I, I say, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that example of that character because that is, I when I think about that show, obviously I think about the times he was like yelling and doing that, mm-hmm. right? He was obviously an imposing force physically. But I rem- the things that are stuck in my mind is uh, those moments when he was crying. Yeah. Right? Because it was you got to see this image of this quote unquote stereotypical black man being tender. Right. And yeah, just vulnerable, vulnerable. And when it comes to, it's like, we can't have good relationships either with ourselves or with other people. If we can't also be soft and vulnerable, it relationships require that of you for them to have any depth. And and so that this that is me pushing and nudging saying like, "Oh no, we're going to we're going to say I'm going to say this and you're going to read this and you're going to feel uncomfortable by it, but uh, you're also going to think about it." Yeah. 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 That was amazing, bro. Uh <laughs> super amazing. Uh, hey, I like to keep these very short, so I don't want to keep you too long. I just want to thank you very much for stopping by the Mind Bodega, Jorel. You are a phenomenal person. I don't have a giant platform, but I would like to share my platform with you anytime you want. Thank, thank you, you very much for stopping by the podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. There you have it. Another episode of Mind Bodega. I do want to apologize for being a little bit later than normal. But we moved offices. The studio is in a whole new space, as you can see. And uh, yeah, we'll be with you shortly. So thank you for listening. We have new episodes every Tuesday. And look, I want to do something called the penny theory. There's this old theory that if you have a penny and you double it every day before 30 days, you'll have a million dollars, actually about five million dollars. So what I'd like for you guys to do is just share this podcast with one friend. If you listen to this podcast this long, you liked what you heard. So do me a favor, share it with one friend. And if that friend listens and likes it and shares it with another friend, at the end of 30 days, we'll have about five million listeners. So I hope you can do me that favor. Thank you very much. And also, if you want, follow me on Mind Bodega. Take care. See you later. Peace.